welcome to another C3 Church Rockingham podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au. Well, it's, it is a privilege, always a privilege and an honour to be sharing the word today. And, um, you know, we are in the Code Red series where we're specifically looking at the red letters in the Word of God where Jesus is speaking while serving His earthly ministry. But can I just... Start by saying this, everything in the Word is important. Everything in the Word leads to Jesus. This is a love book. This is a redemption story. This is the Word of God. The Word of God is Jesus. The Kingdom of God is all about Jesus, the fulfilment of His will here on earth. And so as we're looking at the red letters, we are being specific. And I loved last week, if you weren't here, I encourage you to listen to it because it'll help you understand where I'm going today, where... uh, Claude spoke on kingdom over culture uh, and we came from that scripture where seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and then all those things shall be added unto us. We are living in a in a culture where we want to be relevant, we want to be modern. There's nothing wrong with being relevant. There's nothing wrong with being modern. But, you know, if it takes over from kingdom culture, then we've got a problem. Because if your uh, relevance and your culture becomes your idol, then it becomes a cult. And we've got to get back to grassroots on what kingdom culture is all about. Do you agree with me? Awesome. So that's the title of my message this morning, Kingdom Culture. Let's pray. Father, you said in your word, seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, and then all those things shall be added unto us. And Father, today, as we seek first your word, what your word has to say to us, we ask God that you will meet with us, that you will speak to us through the power of your Holy Spirit. And only you know, Spirit of God, how to touch every heart and minister to every heart individually. Have your way in our lives. We don't want to go out the same doors the same way we come in. We want to be changed from the inside out. And so we surrender to your will today. Lord, and we come into this place as children, as children of God under your banner in Jesus' name. Amen. So kingdom culture. It's going to talk about what it, the grassroots of what it actually means to live a kingdom life. And you know, a lot of it's you're going to you would have heard time and time again, but how many of us know that faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God? You know, we are blessed as a church that we have lots of ethnicities in our church. Isn't that great to have lots of different ethnicities? And with every ethnic background, there is a culture. There's nothing wrong with culture, as I said, but if it takes over kingdom culture, then we have a problem. I have a culture. I come from an Italian heritage. Yesterday, we made sausages. That was fun, I think. (laughs) But it was just great to create memories with the family and and we got sausages for the rest of the year now. (laughs) So, but, you know, coming back to God culture and kingdom culture, we must remember that all our cultures must come under the God culture. So we lay down and surrender those things that are not of God in every ethnicity and we bring a God culture into our world because a kingdom culture is a God culture. Amen. And so we are pursuing God culture. We are pursuing the kingdom life. And Jesus spoke life-giving patterns and principles for us to live by. And the person of Jesus, we understand, makes us holy. 
but it's the principles of Jesus that helps us succeed in life. So we're going to look at principles and patterns through God's Word today on just the basic grassroots on how to live this life so we can succeed not in our, just not in our own lives, but in our families' lives. And you will find the red letters in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. You'll see a little bit in Acts and also in Revelations. And we know that the Old Testament was translated from Hebrew to English and the New Testament was translated from Greek to English. But the Greek language doesn't use quotation marks or punctuation. So in the 1900s, a translator translated all the red letters where Jesus spoke specifically. He, he put the punctuations and quotations marks because He wanted, wanted them to become more prominent, more significant for us to, to really take hold of. And so we look at the red letters today and we're going to look in the Gospel of John and we're going to start in uh, John 6, 63. It says, The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. They are spirit and they are life. The word spirit here means pneuma, means wind, means breath, means forceful, means movement, means breath of life. Jesus used this word for us to pay extra attention. He said, there is life, there is strength, there is power, there is force in what I'm saying to you. Jesus saying, these words I speak to you, they are like the wind. Now, I've not used, not been on a sailboat. How's that? But, but I know this, I know this for sure as I'm watching him. A sailboat can't go in the direction that it needs to unless there's wind. It gives, it gives you direction. And so God is saying to us, the words that I speak, they're like the wind. They bring direction and they bring correction. And sometimes we get correction that will bring us direction. And sometimes we'll get direction that will bring us correction. He says, it also means, it signifies life. It brings you back to life. It signifies that we are to be revived. We are to be resuscitated with the spirit of faith, hope and love. It also means to transform or movement. So transform, transformers. No, transfer, sorry, transfer or movement. You can tell I've got seven grandsons. Transfer or movement. The Word itself carries transferred power. It transfers relationally. And it's also forceful. The Word of God, it creates, it legislates, it convicts, it judges. Now we're not to judge ourselves, but the Word itself will judge us. The Word itself will convict us. It will create, it will legislate. So when we look at the words of Jesus this morning on how and what He said, we must also look at who He is speaking to. And there's three types of groups of people that we read in the Scripture that He spoke to. He spoke to the crowds, He spoke to the religious and He spoke to the disciples. And when He talked to the crowds, He spoke to them in parables and stories because we know that an earthly story brings a heavenly meaning when Jesus spoke, but still the crowds did not understand all the time. And then He spoke to the religious and He was a lot more intentional when He spoke to the religious. He spoke to them and you know what? Their response was very different to the others. Their response was they got mad and even some tried to kill Him because He was challenging their hard hearts. He was challenging their religious mindsets because he was, they, were, they were only looking at the outward appearance, not what God was doing, wanting to do in their hearts. And then the third group, 
is where Jesus spoke to His disciples. And the majority of the time in the, in, in the red letters is Jesus speaking to the third group. Jesus spent time speaking to the crowds. He spent time speaking to the religious, but He spent most of His time investing into His disciples. Because Jesus knew that if He could get His disciples filled with the numer of God, filled with the life of God, filled with the forcefulness of God's Word, filled with the breath of God, they would change the world around them. And we see it in the book of Acts when the, when the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and fire, they spread the resurrection of Jesus Christ's Word like wildfire throughout the place. See, the disciples and all the believers did two things really well. It was, and we have to push back, church, the culture that tries to tell us this is not important anymore. We've got to push back this, this culture. The first thing, they had church together. They met in the temple daily then and house to house. See, they knew the power in their togetherness. They listened to the teaching and the preaching and prayed and worshipped together. Dr. Caroline Leaf, cognitive neuroscientist said this, shares that when we worship together, our hearts beat as one. It doesn't happen anywhere else. When we worship and pray together, our hearts are connected. And so this was the pattern that Jesus had set while here on earth and His disciples had followed suit. And we understand there was a story here that Jesus, um, about Jesus when He was a little boy, when He was 12 years old. His parents went up to Jerusalem they all went to Jerusalem to, to, for a celebration. But they lost Jesus for three days and they couldn't find Him. And, you know, His mother was frantic. They finally found Him. And guess where He was? In the house of God at 12 years old. And this is the statement Jesus said to His parents. Didn't you know that I had to be in my Father's house? Jesus is saying that. See, kingdom culture is a fathering culture. It's a fathering spirit. The Bible is silent then until Jesus is 30 on what He actually did, other than the fact that it said that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and found favour with God and people. Where did He get that wisdom from? Where did He get that stature from? The house of God, because He knew that He had to be about His Father's business in the house of God. The Apostle Paul followed suit. He, start, he did the same thing. It, was, it said that as was His custom to meet in the synagogue, that each week He met in the synagogue. King David said, let us go up to the house of God. The, the house of God is the place. See, the local church is the hope of the world. And we must not, we must push back on the words of the speaker that we don't need to go to church. No, we can have church at home. Yes, we can have church at home, but we must meet together. There's power in our togetherness. Oh, I was so blessed this week. I was speaking to our beautiful Sharon Taylor and she's here with us this morning. She's recovering from surgery and I spoke to her on Tuesday. I said, gosh, we're missing you so much. And this is what she said to me. Look, it, I'm, still, I'm still talking about it, talking about it right now. She said to me, I'm missing church so much. It's who I am. It's who I am. See, we are the church. We become the church. We are the church. 
The second thing that we see is they met together. The disciples met together. They met together in connect groups, in small groups. See, the disciples once again followed the pattern that Jesus was meeting with His disciples. See, the early church met in the temple, but they also met house to house, breaking bread together, connecting with each other. You know, Claude and myself and the pastoral team, we've been visiting all the connect groups and it's been great. I've just thoroughly enjoyed it. But I had noticed that, you know, we could really do with a few more mixed connect groups, you know, couples because some great women's ones, great guys ones, some lifestyle ones, social ones, but we needed some good mixed connect groups as well. Although we have a few, but we need more. And I spoke to a beautiful wife of a couple and I asked her if you, her and her husband would prayerfully consider opening up their home to start a connect group. And this was the reply of the wife. She spoke to her husband. She goes, okay, so I asked Fred, that's not his name, if he lived in the beginning of the New Testament times, would he be happy to host Jesus and have a few of his disciples in his home once a fortnight just to, you know, hear his teaching, break bread, sip a bit of wine? He said, yes, of course. So then I said, okay, so you wouldn't mind having a connect group here once a fortnight then? And being the man of God, he said, yes. (laughs) See, we need both if we're going to change the world around us because a kingdom culture is from the temple to the table. We need both, not just one or the other. And as we look in the book of John today, in particular, the words of Jesus, we understand that everything Jesus said from the beginning to the end is significant. But wouldn't you agree with me what Jesus said just before He was about to be betrayed, just before He's about to be arrested, just before He's about to be crucified, is more profound and significant for us. So we understand that there are 21 chapters in John. Verse 1 to 12 talk about three years of Jesus' ministry. Verse 18 to 21 talks about two days of Jesus' ministry. But verse 13 to 17 is where we're going this morning. John commits five chapters to one hour of Jesus' last words just before He was about to be arrested and be betrayed and be crucified. In chapter 13 is the account of the Last Supper where Jesus ate dinner with His disciples. And Jesus spoke primarily about the power of relationships in the Kingdom of God. Jesus was giving them a pattern for them to to follow on. And He was talking about two specific relationships, relationship with each other and with the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 13, it says, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that His hour had come to leave this world and return to His Father. He now showed the disciples the full extent of His love. See, number one, kingdom culture is pursuing intimacy with God and His people. See, life is relationships. The rest is is details. See, the Kingdom of God is all about relationship, not religion. Another translation says, He loved them to the end. God wants us to have a deep and genuine love for each other. You may not like everything that someone does, but it's not optional to choose to love that person. We are all called to love. That's why He's placed His love in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. See, the Kingdom of God, and Claude and I, we have, we, we believe this wholeheartedly, the Kingdom of God is built on long and lasting relationships. See, after supper had ended, Jesus got up, 
took off his outer robe, put a towel around his waist, put water in a basin and started to wash the disciples' dirty feet and wiped it with a towel. Then he went back to the table and still started to share. And at that time, we know that Judas, who had his feet washed, left to betray Jesus and Jesus knew all along what he was going to do. See, Jesus was teaching His disciples about the intimate level of relationship we must all have. He said in verse 34, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So please, with that thought in mind, please don't tell me that you love God, but you can't do relationships. Please don't tell me that you're a Christian and you can't get along with your brother and sister because that's what we are called to do. Let's be honest. Some relationships are tough. They're challenging. I mean, you hang around me, get in between my toes, wash my toes, you're going to find some things. You're going to find a lot of things. But we is always better than me. You know, and don't believe the lie that the enemy tells you that my dirt's worse than your dirt. Come on. Oh, I'm just a private person. And then you wonder why no one's there for you because you're not there to open yourself up. We can't read minds. We is always better than me. John said, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I called you friends. For all things I heard from my father, I have made known to you. Here, Jesus went from God to man, to teacher, to leader, to servant, to friend. See, the premise is relationships here. You've got to be a friend to find a friend. And you know what I love? I love it, the fact that when you, when you find yourself in a connect group, it's not coincidental that there's someone who's gone through the same thing that you, you've gone through, but they've overcome it and they're there to help each other. That's what it's all about. We need both. We need the house of God and we need house to house. See, the power of kingdom is intimate relationships where Jesus bent down and washed the disciples' feet. Secondly, kingdom culture is we serve one another and we get served by each other. See, serving one another is the highest form of honour. It's honouring one another. In John chapter 13, Jesus said, After washing their feet, He put on His robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher, you call me Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Jesus said, this is the example I want you to set. You see, to be, if you want to be a great leader, you've got to serve. The greatest leaders are the ones that are servant-hearted leaders. And we read in Scripture where Jesus said the Scriptures, sorry, that we, we read in 2 Peter where it says that in the house of God, there is a variety of gifts that we can serve one another in. You, you know what? I've got, I have something that you need and you have something that I need. Together, together we serve one another. Don't ask me to sing in the worship team. 
because you will, will have already been gone before I even started. Don't ask me to, be, to do anything administrationally because that is a problem in itself. See, the biggest thing we must watch in serving one another is familiarity. We become too familiar with one another and we stop serving one another and hearing each other's needs. And I have found this, that as soon as you stop serving, you start finding fault and you start criticising. And sometimes you and I, we're going to serve people that have betrayed us. But Jesus had the same problem. You've done it, I've done it. But you know what? That should not stop us from continuing to serve because we are serving the Lord with gladness, right? When we get to heaven, He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Not pastor, servant. Thirdly, kingdom culture is we get done more together. We are more fruitful together. We produce more. In John 15, Jesus says, My true disciples produce much more fruit because it's in the cluster of grapes connected to the vine. In the same vineyard do you get good wine. It's in that cluster. It's not the sultana. I did it my way. Sorry. I'm... I've got Matt here and he's hearing me sing. That's bad. <laughs> the Kingdom of God is about partnership. God is looking for those who will partner in the work of God. Without Him, we can't. We need to stay connected to the vine. But without us, He can't either. Because we are better together. Together we can accomplish so much more. When we pull in our resources in the house of God, we can accomplish so much more together. I have seen, I have been in the front row seats of the grace of God where I've seen thousands of people come to Christ, surrendered their life to Christ, have made, we've seen discipled, people discipled into eternity. We have sown thousands into the Kingdom of God, reaching the world around us. But it's not been Claude and I. It's not been just the few that you think that have got more money. It's been the teenager. It's been the single parent. It's been those that have given straight from the bottom of the barrel that's given by faith. It's been those who have said, God, everything I have is Yours. It's those when we serve together, when we give together, when we love together, when we pray together, when we do things together, we can change the world around us. See, Claude said last week, was so profound, the greatest spiritual warfare is not to start shaking down the heavens and binding and loosing, but is to be unified. Because where there is unity, God commands a blessing. You know, um, I'm going to brag on Claude here because this is some things that you probably haven't seen or not known about. He still does it. He just does it in a different way. But you know, when we first came to Christ and we started serving our pastor, we were youth pastors. And you know, I had four children. So the majority of the, of the responsibility Claude carried. And, um, and all the mothers said, yeah, right, you got four kids. I know what you've been doing. <laughs> I know how hard, I mean, as parents, right? No, not that. <laughs> Working hard at home with your children, right? <laughs> anyway, he, we were youth pastors. Every Saturday night, we'd be, we'd, be, we'd be at church as youth pastors. Every Sunday morning, he was the head usher. He was the head service team leader. He would leave early, come to church, get everything ready. And I would come later with the four children. And one day... Um, he noticed his pastor had dirty shoes because in those days we wore suits and, you know, shiny shoes. And he noticed his pastor's shoes were dirty. 
and he offered to clean and polish his shoes. Now, this is just to let you know that we're prepared to do whatever it takes. It's all about working together. I think we forget sometimes what actually serving is all about and what partnership is all about. It's all about serving. When I train with Claude, I actually feel like I've done a workout. We pull more weight together. And you and I, we can actually pull more weight together when we encourage one another, when we protect one another, when we pray for one another. And in the last closing here, finally, John in chapter 17, the whole chapter is Jesus praying. And He says this, So with deep love, I pray for my disciples. I'm not asking on behalf of the unbelieving world, but for those who belong to you, those you have given me. Here Jesus is saying, and it's a shocking at first when you think about it because you're thinking Jesus prays for everyone. No, no, Jesus is not praying for the world. Jesus died for the world. God so loved the world. But here, a whole chapter where Jesus is praying for you and I, for His disciples, that we could send this message to the world. He invested His time and His prayers, praying for His disciples, praying for the believers, so they could send the message to the world. That's why it says in Scripture, Jesus says that when the Holy Spirit comes up and on, on you, you'll be my witnesses. You'll carry the power to witness to the world. That's why Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. The labourers are few. Pray to the harvest that He would send out the labourers. Who are the labourers? It's you and I. We are sitting on the pews. We are the messengers of hope. We are the ones that carry the light of the world. We are here to carry this message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ to the world. And Jesus invested His time into us so that we could be, and so we could have the same example set and let it flow. This is the end of the podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au or call us on 9524 5055.